Good evening and welcome to my View from the Rim podcast. It is the 31st of January. The first month of the year is in the bag. All Well, all but in the bag. Welcome. I apologize so much for not having posted uh, since Christmas. So we're going to try to do better. Intentions, of course, don't amount up to anything without actions. Uh, just like so many things in life, you know, we want to do things. We want to do the right thing. We want to do this or we want to do that. Um, we mean to do it, but without actually following through, it just sits there. Uh, I mentioned over on the, the, the lib that we're going to be posting tonight on the rim. Uh, don't worry, it's not a political hack po- uh, podcast. It's still in the genre of the view from the rim. But I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what we discussed at church on Sunday. In, in uh, congregations of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they have one hour, which is the sacrament meeting on Sundays, And then after that, they have either a a meeting where the men and uh, either Sunday school every other week or it is priesthood and relief society where the men and women split up into their respective classes for specific instruction. However, just like there's just only a couple of them a year, the fifth Sunday of the month, is a little bit different for that second hour, and that's where there's direction given from the bishopric or the leader, leadership of the ward in regards to what they're going to discuss. Um, and frequently it's members of the bishopric that's actually doing the teaching, but sometimes they have uh, somebody else, perhaps a specialist or somebody else come in and actually do the instruction. This past uh, Sunday, which I'm guessing was the 29th, yes, the 29th, we had uh, a fifth Sunday that was in regards to religious freedom. And this was determined not actually at the ward level by the bishopric or the ward council, but Actually, it was by the Coordinating Council of the Kansas City Area Stakes, eight stakes. A stake is a uh, group of, a geographical group of congregations. Uh, If you're not familiar with the terms, there's wards, which is the local group, and branches, which are smaller local groups. A group of these together make up a stake, and each of these levels has their own presidencies, uh, keeping with going back to Moses' time where he put assigned elders over hundreds, fifties, tens, etc. And so, but the State Coordinating Council uh, put together a PowerPoint on religious freedom because religious freedom is becoming a big issue. And a lot of the PowerPoint was video by a professor from the University of Texas. I'll overlook that at Austin. Uh, Stephen Collis, uh, who uh, teaches 
religion and other sort sort uh, similar uh, genre of courses at the University of Texas. And he has also been um, called or asked to fill as a as a coordinator or as a resource for religious freedom for the central part of the United States. I'll get more on uh, Dr. Collis here in just a moment. Um, but his his PowerPoint broke down to. Um, you have the freedom of religious expression and you have the freedom of the exercise of religion. Why do these things matter? It's because, first of all, and this is not something that he pointed out, and this is not something I'm going to go deep into here because that, that would be something that I'd cover over on the lib, is that the state to many progressives is its own religion. And because it has government authority, i.e. the ability to point a gun at you and force you into jail or into compliance with their commandments, has very little tolerance for people that would pledge um, their allegiance to God. However, however God looks to you. Whether you're Christian, whether you are Muslim, uh, the various genres of uh, sects of Christianity, whether you are Buddhist or Hindu or, or even agnostic or atheist. What's at stake, of course, is the freedom of expression and the free exercise of religion. Started off first in that you cannot, or the federal government could not, when the when the First Amendment was written, you know, the, the very first amendment, or the very first part of the First Amendment was freedom of religion. Not freedom from religion. Freedom of religion. And what it specifically prohibited was Congress establishing a state church. So you see where that kind of ties in with what I said previously about many progressives see the government in and of itself as a theology rather than an ideology. But forbid the forbid Congress from establishing a, a, a national church. What many people may not know is that it did not forbid state governments from actually doing that. And many states in the early years actually levied taxes to pay for construction of churches, etc. Eventually all that went away and, and just and then of course um, Later on, after the Civil War, the 14th Amendment essentially bound all state and local governments to uh, the Bill of Rights and all the other rights enumerated in the Constitution.
So, of course, no matter what, you always have the right to believe in your faith. Nobody can take that away from you. That is as part of the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. The expression of it is a little bit different, and we've seen uh, serious inroads into that freedom over the last century. Um, You know, no prayer in school. Not that I support, you know, somebody leading prayer, although Congress has a prayer every day. Um, I don't support that kind of indoctrination. In fact, I would even go further and I say that the religious right kind of caused a lot of backlash during the 80s when they tried to put into law many, many, many of the principles that of fundamentalist Christianity. And whenever you do stuff like that, that does cause a backlash. And I think that we're seeing that a lot now. Where you can no longer speak your religion, although actually technically that's not true. Um, President Clinton signed a, a bill that guaranteed, for example, federal workers the right to be able to freely speak in regards to their religion at work but as far as uh, the expression of religion you know whether it's a menorah on a public square or a nativity set you know there's been a lot of court cases that have pretty much gotten rid of all those there's pushback now Now, the exercise of religion is where I I struggled a little bit with what they were saying. In fact, uh, let me give a shout-out, not that he'll ever hear it, but uh, Dr. Collis, uh, because after our meeting on Sunday, I went home, and one of the concerns I have regarding the exercise of religion is there's a case that if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you well know, or probably should know, and that's Reynolds versus United States, 1879. I'm not going to give you the U.S. code, but I may actually go and, and link it up or give you what the proper case number is. And what this case was is in regards to anti-polygamy laws. And my concern was, and and granted I'm a student, even though I have degrees, I'm still always a student trying to learn. And I've been baffled about why the federal government has not used Reynolds in, for example, their case regarding uh, 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 gay marriage. In that Reynolds, in in Reynolds, the argument made by the court, a unanimous court, by the way, stated that while, yes, you do have the right to express your religion and the exercise of religion, you can believe however you want. However, if acting on your belief is a violation of the law, then you don't have that right. 
and in the case of plural marriage, which was, or polygamy, if you would rather, um, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in, in the 18, late 1800s, was done as, as a religious duty, um, an obligation, if you will. And so, and that was contrary to the anti-polygamy laws, which, by the way, these laws were specifically aimed at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the laws themselves, simply by taking aim at a specific religion, may, would in most sense, be unconstitutional. And I'm thinking that's perhaps... Uh, uh, well, let me just say, Dr. Collis, I emailed him and I explained to him I didn't explain to him as if he didn't know. I explained to him because I wanted to understand how we were able to sit there and talk about religious uh, freedom and exercise of religion when there's a court case that says that if there's a law regarding a specific aspect of your religion, and you decide to exercise it, which is contrary to law, you're going to go to jail. And so I, I phrased the question very well because in reality, Monday morning, I had an email from him explaining that, that Reynolds is really not considered precedent anymore. And likely, I, he is doing another uh, uh, um, a forum coming up next month and I'm, I may try to figure out a way to watch it and, and pose the question uh, because I suspect even as I'm sitting here reasoning through this that, that I suspect it's because the law uh, that was upheld by the court in reality it was probably unconstitutional since it was directed specifically at a specific religious faith. Not that I support polygamy. Please don't take it that way. But the bottom line of uh, Dr. Collis's um, proposal as far as what we needed to do is that people do not understand generally in the world the millions, if not billions, of hours spent by religious faithful doing good, doing services in their community in conjunction with that faith. And you don't have to be part of an organized religion to do that, of course. You know, going about doing good because you think it's the right thing to do, um, it's because you think it's the right thing to do, but that doesn't mean that that service is not actually done. There's a huge difference between performing service either in an organized manner or just privately, you know, shoveling your neighbor's drive. You know, because God, that service does not go unnoticed. And we'll be blessed by it as we serve others. But his point was that we need to, I'm sorry, be more vocal 
about that service being performed. We need to um, let people know that. And let me just give you one quick example. There was uh, uh, earthquakes in Spain uh, during uh, uh, Francisco Franco's dictatorship. Let me tell you something a little bit about uh, uh, Generalissimo Franco. He ruled with an iron fist, and he used the Catholic Church as a weapon. So the Catholic Church, if you will, gave him a moral foundation for him to do what he did. And yet, when this earthquake, and I believe it was an earthquake, happened before the Red Cross showed up, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or if you will in Spanish, La Iglesia de Jesucristo de los Santos de los Últimos Días, arrived with supplies. At the time, proselyting was banned in Spain, really being a member of another church was something that had political consequences. And yet by the time uh, uh, Franco passed, missionaries were on the ground teaching in Spain. To me, providing service not to be seen of men but to do good is the essence of our faith uh, whether you're Christian whether you're Protestant, Catholic we've been told to lose ourselves in the service of others Christ gave the best example of all when he washed his disciples' feet, including the one that would betray him. And the one that would deny him. People need to know what religion does. It makes for stronger communities. It makes for stronger families. It, 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 you know, and this is a true ta- this is a true test of a faith. Does it does it strengthen the family? If it doesn't, then you have to question it. Does it strengthen the community? If it doesn't, there's a problem. If we are not strengthening the community by our acts within our faith, then what are we doing? We can sit there when they say no no nativities in the public square and say, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And screw you, we'll just provide service within our own community, our own faith community. And, well, forget you guys. Well, that's not what Christ taught. You know, we should be a beacon on a hill, as President Reagan frequently said. And the way to do that is by serving, making your community stronger. 
As you make communities stronger, as you make states stronger. The truth is, we are hurting because there's a faith crisis in this country. Now, most people don't realize it's a crisis. They just choose not to believe, or they maybe they believe, but they don't really take it very seriously. That's a problem. And perhaps many of the problems that we have today can be attributed to that lack of faith communities and outreach. Churches are getting smaller. People, Fewer people are believing. Why is that? Is it because there's nothing offered? The churches that are the strongest are the ones that have that strong presence of community. The ones that have that strong commitment from its members that require, well, not require, meaning a dictatorial relationship, but that they require meaning, meaning, you know, to be fully be um, receiving the blessings, you need to be a lot more engaged. Those are the communities that are thriving. And so we have to ask ourselves, where do we stand? Because it's not going to get any easier. We know what's coming in in the Christian faith. We know what's coming. Things are going to get really bad at some point. We don't know when. I don't know when. It could be while I'm alive. It could be while my children or grandchildren are alive. I don't know. But what we do know is it's coming. I pray that each of us will examine ourselves. And we'll reach out and demonstrate to our communities that they matter to us. I always say my life matters. Um, But let me tell you, if my life matters to me, then I need to make sure that your life matters to me as well. Not that I want to control it but that I'm there for the betterment of all by choice and not mandate. It's a snake river rib, the snake river lib on the view from the rim podcast. Have a great night.